After Work Drinks Club, a business podcast where I chat with influential movers and shakers, top achievers, and all-round incredible people. We explore how they've got to where they are and how you can too. If you want to level up, go make your order at the bar, pull up a seat at the table and join in because you belong here. I'm your host, Vanessa Sanyauke, the founder and CEO of Girls Talk London a global agency that empowers thousands of women to develop the skills and confidence to succeed in their careers and life. So if you're listening on your morning commute with a coffee, working from home with a cup of tea, or joining us for after-work drinks, consider this your time to laugh, learn, and level up. On the podcast today, we have financial advisor and TV presenter, Emmanuel Asukwo. Within six months of me being at my lowest point, four kids, no job. Six months later, I'm on national TV, financial advisor. Just in six months. I want us to have abundance. I want us to know that there is an abundant amount of money out there. I always tell people there's 365 days in a year. Why do we only get paid on 12 of them? Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the After Work Drinks Club. I hope you've been enjoying the podcast so far. The response has been absolutely incredible. We became a top five business podcast in the UK and I'm loving the community we are creating here. Thank you so much for all your support and your reviews. Once again, I'm happy to share that I'm a brand ambassador for Blue Water for this series. Do check out their range of tonic drinks. My faves are the Garden Tonic and Fiery Ginger Beer. They are the perfect match for your evening drink. Today, we have a chat with Emmanuel Asukwo, aka the E-Man Effect. Emmanuel is a renowned qualified financial advisor, TV presenter and international speaker. E-Man Superpower is combining no-nonsense financial advice with humour to help people wake up and take control of their financial futures. Emmanuel stepped into the world of multi-million pound finance at the age of 22 and has worked in the financial services for over 15 years. He has been featured in countless national publications and was co-host of the popular Channel 4 finance show, Save Well, Spend Better. He has featured as an expert for the BBC One show, Your Money and Your Life, and made several appearances on BBC One's Morning Live. And now he is one of the experts on the new Channel 4 programme, Secret Spenders. What I love about Eman is his passion to educate the black community on financial literacy and how he has this huge desire to help the black community level up in their finances and how he's dedicated his career to do that. Also, you have to check out Emmanuel's Instagram. It's so hilarious and it will teach you a lot about finance too. So you can follow him on at the Eman Effect UK on Instagram. I really hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Don't forget to follow and subscribe wherever you are listening, to share this episode and to leave a review. Emmanuel, welcome to the After Work Drinks Club. How are you this evening? Vanessa, Vanessa, thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I'm honoured. I appreciate you having me. And you like, I don't normally go to after work drinks when I used to work. Um, so I'm happy to 
be at one that I actually want to be at. So I'm happy. That's interesting you say that because, you know, we're going to get into your background a bit later on, but you obviously worked in the financial services for lots of banks and the corporate culture is after work drinks. So you never used to go. I I used to go and then they just look at me like I'm weird. Like, so I would, would, uh, like sometimes I'd order water. Other times I'd order orange juice. Then I'll get lemonade (laughs) Um, and then I would get, then I realized what's good is to get Coke because then you can pretend like it's a rum and Coke yes. or brandy and Coke. Like no one knows what's in it. Yeah. So then I just order a Coke. Um, and you know, but people look at you like, oh, you're not drinking. Are you okay? Yeah. Like, and you didn't have to explain, don't drink. Then they're like, oh, is this for religious reasons? And yes, I'm a Christian, <laughs> but it wasn't really for like, I'm not really trying to have this conversation. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. But you know what? This club we welcome anyone. So what are you Come going on. to order at the bar tonight? Yeah, I'm definitely going for my Coke. I'm going to go for a Coke. I'm feeling I'm feeling sugary okay. and buzzing. Yeah. So let me get my energy up, ready. You're going to go a bit wild today, so you're going to have a Coke. Come on. <laughs> well, yes. I, I am actually having um, my favourite, um, I guess, mix. And it's a gin mixed with Blue Waters tonic. They've got a garden tonic, so I've got some ice. So that's what I'm drinking. So I'm kind of joining is, you a bit there with the tonic. Thing? Gin is life. Like gin is the way forward. It's the truth, I the sit, light, the way. I sit down with, I sit down with clients and they got these gin subscriptions and I just don't, I just don't understand. I love gin. What's going on? It just like I think you have to have um, the right mixer with gin. That's what makes it refreshing. But for me, gin is my summer drink. So I wouldn't drink gin in the winter, just the summer. So I'm going to drink for both okay. of us. I'm going to drink for both of us. So I always, on, ask, I, <laughs> I always ask my guests to toast to their highlight of the year so far. So you've had an incredible year. I know it's going to be hard to choose, but what shall we toast to this year? Um, what should we toast to? I guess the highlight of this year so far is the new... Um, Channel 4 show that I'm filming at the moment. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to getting that out, getting back on the TV screens and in an actual show. So, yeah, that's, that's the highlight right awesome. now. Awesome. So happy for you. All right, cheers. Virtual cheers. Well cheers, done. That's chills, amazing. Chills. That's amazing. I guess we'll get into that a little bit later. I'm going to try and get a little bit of, whatever I can draw out of you, a little bit of sneak peek Come on. Um, into that series. But I mean, to take it back, I mean... You just are incredible. I don't, I can't even believe when I look at your bio, just how extensive one your career is. You've worked in the financial services for over 15 years and you've basically worked with the top banks in the world in such a short space of time. Um, your media footprint is global. You're in, you've been in every major publication. You're a TV star. And then outside of that, you still have time to really help empower people to, you know, increase their wealth and manage their money better. And it's just phenomenal. Um, oh. And, you know, how did you how did you become this awesome? I mean, what was growing up like? And then how did you get into the financial services? Um, growing up was, I guess it's different when you look back. So at the time it was just my environment. So I, I grew up in a, in a camp on a council estate in Tower Hamlets, East London, um, big up East London, all my East yeah. Londoners. Um, and, and, um, yeah, my parents are, were both from that born in Nigeria came over. So I was the first, first born and first to be born in the UK. So, mm-hmm there was a lot of pressure to achieve. Mm. Um, and obviously having that African mentality, achievement is only education. Exactly, so yeah. it doesn't matter what you, what else you want to do in life. Unless you, unless you get grades, 
yeah i had that upbringing being zimbabwe so yeah exactly a's and above otherwise get out my face exactly yeah yeah exactly so it was one of those ones where um my mum was really supportive and she she my mum is just like she's like my best friend and we get on and you know she's always support me and love me and she i used to play sport and she would support me in it even though she couldn't come and watch but she would encourage me to go and do it And, and my dad would be like you know, do you think I got on a plane and came all the way to the UK so you can go and play? It was his... Um, Face your books now. <laughs> right away. You know yeah. what I mean? So we definitely had a lot of clashes, me and my father, um, in regards to, you know, what I wanted to do for my life and what he wanted for my life and so forth. And obviously, being a father now, I can definitely appreciate it and see it differently to when I was a child and you know that's that's the beauty of hindsight but yeah it was an environment full of love you know church every Sunday without fail do you know what I mean and you know definitely I've got two younger sisters who you know they're my I'm they're my responsibility literally mm-hmm. you from you like five years old your parent like my pet from I was a child my mum my would tell me they're your responsibility your responsibility so like, like you know if my sisters did something and, and they, if my sisters got hurt and I was in the house I would get beat too wow like Jeez. my responsibility. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So yeah, so that it was, was, it was a lot nice, of pressure. So you had to be, you had to be responsible at an early age. I take it. Early, yeah, early, early without age. doubt. You know, you know, like now they would say, my mom used to leave. Obviously, my mom has to go somewhere, and my dad's not around. It was me. I had to be the, you know, look after my sisters and make sure nothing goes on by the before the time my mom goes and comes back. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. She couldn't drag me everywhere they were going. So, you know, there was definitely a responsibility to look after my siblings and, you know, step up. And I had to pick them from school. So when my friends could finish secondary school and stay after school and enjoy, I had to get on a bus and go pick my wow. sisters up from primary school. So, yeah, it was loads of responsibility. And what did that, how has that sort of kept you in your career, having that much responsibility at such a young age? You know what? I think the one good thing about being responsible, it makes you accountable. So I understood that I had to set an example for my sisters. Mm-hmm. And because I had to set an example for them, it meant I had, I knew how I had to behave, the things that were expected of me. And I had to deny myself. So there were things that maybe as a young person, you know, they would normally do. And I, I couldn't do like, you know, back then it was go trocadero. That was the big thing. Yeah, I like that. I didn't go trocadero till I, till I was big. Like I was an adult when I was, like, not <laughs> adult, but like, I was a big, like big teen. Big you know what I mean? Like I wasn't, it wasn't even making, I was in there. It wasn't even making sense. I wasn't even, yeah. I wasn't seeing none of my age mates in there. You know, like them ones. So, like, what is he yeah. doing here? Please. <laughs> what's, yeah. this, what's Uncle doing in, in Chocadero? Do you know what I mean? We live in my and childhood. So, <laughs> come on. So, yeah. So, it was one of those ones where, like, I missed out on a, a lot of different things, but I didn't feel like I was missing out. I was just doing what I was supposed to do and, you know, being the, being, being, what, being the responsibility I had to have and sacrifice. And I think one of those things that I've learned, again, is having to sacrifice. And that has helped me in my career because I was prepared to sacrifice to get to where I wanted to get to a lot sooner than, say, my age mates who hadn't had to sacrifice before and had to go through that learning stage of understanding if if you want to get something great, you're going to have to sacrifice. Well, I learned that lesson much younger in life. Yeah. And I guess that might explain then why, you know, according to your bio, you started to work in the financial services at just 22 years. So, yes. I mean, how, 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 Sway, how? Because <laughs> 22, how? like, that. that's hard. You know, it, it's, it's a tough, yeah. it's a tough industry to get into. Um, 
How? How did you get into it at 22? Yeah. So I always, because I, I lived in um, East London Tower Hamlet, it's like the big, like it's mainly, it's a very poor area, but our claim to fame is Canary Wolf. Um, yes. And where I lived, where I lived was Limehouse. So I could see Canary Wolf from my bedroom window. I could see all those big buildings from my bedroom window. Wow. And so for me, that became my vision board. I was like, I'm in the slums. But but yeah. but change is literally over there. Change is literally out of my window. I can see the dif- the difference in my life, what I want to achieve in life, literally out of my window. But then I, I guess it's like a gift and a curse, right? Because it's like y- there's so much affluence that you're looking t- at, mm-hmm. which I feel like it's really bad that the communities that are like next door are not, you know, as affluent. But then I guess in a way, yeah. you took that as motivation. Like, you know what, one day I'm going to be there. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. And that's why I always talk to people about the difference between um, sight and vision. I think a lot of us have sight, and so we see things and we take them as they are. So I could see my situation, and I could say, "Oh, you know, I'm in the poor, I'm in the poor council estate, and look, there's rich canary wolf over there." Or mm-hmm. I could have vision and say, "I see myself in that yeah. building." Exactly. And, and, and then I'm not, I'm not, too, I'm not not making an excuse for where I'm at. I'm just looking at where I'm trying to get to. And I think sometimes, you know, we, we are trapped in, in the things that we can see and our belief system only goes as far as we can see. And I'm a big believer in having vision beyond where you're at and you are not defined by where you're at, but where you're going to. So it's all about where I'm going to. So if I'm going to be in those buildings, I need to walk like I'm in those buildings. I need to talk like I'm in those buildings. Mm. I need to read the same books as the people in those buildings. I need to put myself in the environments of people that are in those buildings. So that was the mindset for me. And where did you first get your your first job? (laughs) My first job. And this is where I talk about having the vision. I was in Canary Wolf. Oh, your first job? Oh, okay. So you... Yes, but what was your first? What was your first financial services job then? So you worked at MS at Canary Wharf, and then, and then I went. Then I went to um, Barclays as a cashier. So at, at nineteen, I was a cashier yeah. at Barclays. I used my experience um, from oh, MS to get a cashier job. Yeah, exactly. Ah, so, I, I and this is how people like. Sometimes I always talk when I speak to young people. I'm like, just get in the building. Once you're in the building, you yes. can. You might think you want that job. But you don't even really know. You only know from a distance. Yeah. But once you're in the building, you might bump into someone that does that job. You might be able to see opportunities inside on internal job boards that you can't see mm-hmm. externally. So sometimes you've got to be prepared to just get in there. And so I got in there by by becoming a cashier. That's awesome. And then did you work your way up? So yeah, yeah. so I always talk. So basically, I had a manager who really liked my, my energy and liked what I was doing, but could see that because I was part-time because I was still doing my degree um I wasn't taking it serious you know I'm thinking I'm a I'm doing my degree like these men are this is their I'm just doing this because I want to be in the building mm-hmm. these men this is their real life yeah so, that course, kind of mentality it's like, do you understand yeah, that mentality like, like nah, on come a on basis yeah <laughs> come on I'm doing my degree like do you know what I mean and and once I finish, I'll go into something better. Mm-hmm. But I'm while I'm here, I'll just make it work, get some money in, get some experience. So it helps when I when I finish uni and that. And so I wasn't taking it serious. So when you're meant to come in at 8.45 for team meeting, I used to be like, nah, I'm part-time. My contract says 9 o'clock. I didn't used to come at 9 o'clock. Obviously, if you come at 9 o'clock, I'm coming in with the customers. When they open the door to let the customers <laughs> you, in, they let me in at, the, at the same time. <laughs> 
I'm bumping through me. Oh, the customers are all coming in at the, at the same time with my one with my oh one croissant my and and hot chocolate oh, ready. You were not like, serious. I'm not ready to man. work. Yeah. I'm not serious. Uh, so, so obviously he's he's and this is the importance of mentorship. So he's see me like he's pulled me aside and he's like told me look. If you're on time, you're late. I didn't get it. I was mm-hmm. like, what are you talking about? If you're on time, you're late. He's like, if you're on time, you're late. So, yeah. and what he was basically trying to tell me is that if you're, to be, to get somewhere early, you have to prepare. Yeah. So if I'm going to get somewhere and be early, I need to work out what train is going to get me there early, what time I need to wake up, how long is it going to take me to get dressed? In the, do, do I need to iron my clothes the night before? So I, Do you understand? Because yeah, I've only got that. so much time in the morning and so forth. So you're actually prepared for your day. rather than So rather than you just go in the flow, if I catch that bus, if I catch that train, you know the bus is coming at this time, the train is exactly. coming at that time, I'm going to get there at this time, I'm going to be able to cool down, I'm going to have enough time to be prepared, exactly. I can have my cross on and my... Before everyone gets there I've prepared for my day and then I can get started do you know how how many people underestimate just that basic just getting that basic (laughs) right like just giving yourself enough time showing up early prepared having an alternative route like that's the basics but it goes a long way it goes goes a long way such a long way and okay yeah so (laughs) So, so Emmanuel once I've done gets that told now, about himself. <laughs> I get told about myself. And so what I do is I set my clock half an hour early on my watch. And then I try and get everywhere half an hour early. Mm-hmm. So I'm turning up everywhere one hour early. One hour early. That's even, the branch ain't even open. Like, it's not, it's not even open. Yeah. But I'm getting there one hour early. When I get to the branch one hour early, who's there? The branch manager. Wow. And so because I've listened to him and he's like, oh, so what I've told you, and now you're doing this on a regular basis. Let me teach you some more. Oh, and that's brilliant. one thing that, that's one thing we miss. Like you see sometimes our olders or people that are in senior positions, mm-hmm. they don't even do it. They don't even want to help you for money, but they just want to see that you're, you're putting in the energy that, and, and then they will match your energy. Mm-hmm. So because I was giving him the right energies that, like, you know, I'm going to match your energy. I'm going to, I'm going to show you more. So then he started talking to me about the fact that Odama Cashier, which is the lowest, the lowest person in the in the branch, the lowest level in the branch, mm-hmm. he was like, you can't act like a cashier because you don't want to be a cashier. You want to be more than a cashier. So you have to start moving where you want to be and not where you are. So if you want to become a senior manager, if you want to become a personal banker, whatever it is you want to do, we got to start moving like that. Yes. So then I started taking the pamphlets out of the out of the book out of the banking hall so you know you have them pamphlets that say this is what's a credit card what's uh, a what's a bank account all of that and yeah. i used to read it on my train journey home and my train journey to the branch and i'm just learning mm-hmm. and developing then when i add that i'm the type of person i used to get kicked out of school yeah in class because i'm making too much joke so but when i add that personality with the knowledge my customers love me yeah my customers and and that's one thing i did and when i talk to young people now i'm like you being the class clown, you being able to make people laugh, you being able to be be able to bounce with people, it's a skill. Yes. You just got to put it in the right, in the right, the right environment. Yeah. Environment. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so now I'm in the right environment with the knowledge. Vanessa, when I tell you, I killed it. I became, when I didn't go to work, yeah. the branch wouldn't hit target. What? So I'm the lowest, I'm the lowest, the least important person in this branch. But the most but impactful. But I've given the most value. Mm-hmm. I'm most impactful. So now what happens is, is that when I finish my degree, Barkies are like, they're like, what, what job do you want? We can't let you go somewhere else. Wow. We can't let you go somewhere else. And so I go straight from cashier to financial advisor. Wow. So that's from a level one to a level four. Yeah. 
That's, that's like brilliant. there are branch managers that are level three and level four. So wow. you just that's just a huge, huge dump in internally. Yeah. And then not only that, I become the youngest financial advisor in Barclays at age twenty two, in the in the country, wow. in the whole of Barclays in the country, um, at the time. Jeez. That's, That's how amazing. we get started. And you became the youngest financial advisor in Barclays at the age of 22 by starting to just do the simple changes in your exactly. routine. That is just powerful. You know what? I'm coming into the office tomorrow. Emmanuel, I'm getting there for eight. <laughs> like when you were talking, I was like, Do you know what? Yeah, like this is inspiring. This is no, inspiring. I that. It is inspiring. But you know why it's important? Because again, it's that banter beforehand. So again, like I said, I might not go to the pub after work, but I'm already in the building talking. So we're having, um, we can make coffees together. We can talk, we can talk about family. Cause again, sometimes we think that if you, as long as you tick all the boxes, you must get the promotion. Yes. But actually a lot of the time it's likability. And that's, I think something that we miss in the corporate world. Do people like you? Like sometimes I even tell people, would you like to work with you? And the answer Ooh. more time is no. Ooh, I, I don't know what I'd say to that. It's, you know, it's interesting because I have like this portfolio career. So I, I work yeah. in corporate and then I also have my own business. So I need to actually yeah. ask myself those two questions. Would I want to work for me as a, you know, as a CEO? And would I want, would yeah. I like to work with me? And you know what? I'm like, I, I need to really, I need to, I need to reflect <laughs> on the Come employee on. aspect. Because I, I speak to people and sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, but I do my job. I, I don't I don't yeah. do the chit-chat. I just do my job, go in and go home. Why shouldn't anybody yes. actually, bro, I don't even get to know you. I don't get to like you. I don't get to understand your personality. You can come off a bit cold, like, yeah. a bit clinical. And 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 then when I want to get into scene, when I now want to put someone into a senior position, is that how I want them to, whether you tick all the boxes exactly. from a from a job description point, do you tick it from a corporate, like our work environment and, and how, how we get on? And that's going to get you more likely to get your promotion than it is ticking the what? boxes. Because you can, we can teach you how to tick boxes after. Exactly. You know, like hearing you say that, because I was having this conversation last week, actually, and I was like, I've seen a few people, you know, I can't really name names of this podcast, but I've seen a few people and I'm like, <laughs> how the bejesus did they now get into senior leadership? They didn't, mm. they, some, some of these people do not deliver A, B, C. Like they don't even do nope. their basic objectives. But like you said, people like them. They're like the senior yes. people like them. And like I'm them. just like, you know what? In, and you have to keep that in, in your, in the back of your mind. Like you, like you're right. It's the small things. It's also what I've learned as well is it's about the optics, right? So if you're helpful, so even if you yes. don't hit all your objectives, if someone says, oh, you know, Emmanuel or Vanessa help me when I, you know, write this paper or um, answer this query, even though it's not part of your day to day, you're building relationships. People are seeing you as a helpful person. That also, you know, does um, feed in. Of course. Yeah. But also that can go on your CV. People, people don't understand like when you, experience is going to get you to get you the pay rise more than it is like doing the job perfectly mm -hmm. so you writing that paper whether or not they acknowledge you or your name is on it you can then put it on your cv and say i have written papers mm -hmm. i was a part of a I, I was a part of a hundred million dollar deal like these are things that you can yes. put on your cv and nobody can take that experience away from mm -hmm. you so now when you're then going to apply for a new job or apply for a job that's going to pay you more you can show why you're worth this new value 
And so sometimes it's so on, oh, that's not my job description. But that's why you're going to stay only at that level because you don't want to do anything above your above your level because you're only focused on how much money you can make. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, let's get into you being the E-man effect as an entrepreneur. So how did this happen? So you've worked in the, as a financial advisor, you've worked your way up, you've worked for not just um, Barclays, but you've worked for, you know, some major big names um, yeah. as a financial advisor, Lloyds Bank, NatWest, RBS, Halifax, HSBC, St. James's Place, JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, you know, like all of yeah. these amazing, incredible global banks. I mean, I'm so impressed by all of that. Before we go on to your business, what was it like working for the American ones? Because I always find so that interesting. The Ameri- yeah, the, the, the culture difference. Yeah, it's, it's different. But with the American ones, it's all right because I was what I was doing for them was mainly I was doing talks for them, mm-hmm. for their staff. So I looked after their pension schemes and so forth and, and gave talks for their staff so they could understand it. So it was all right. It was all right. But yeah, the 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 persona, the way things work, what's cool and what's not cool and what is acceptable and not is different in those types of environments. I think probably I'm lucky that I started at Barclays because Barclays is very, very sales orientated. Mm -hmm. Like Barclays is a profitable, profitable place. Like Mm -hmm. you're going to, if you can't make money, then Barclays ain't for you. Like (laughs) like it's not, you know what I mean? You want to go to a Halifax or, you know what I mean? Or a NatWest, you know what I Those companies are, you know what I mean? Yeah, nationwide. You know yeah, what I mean. Those yeah. are those are the one, those are the ones that love the people. You see, Barclays. No, no, no. no. You got you to loose. make money. Yeah. You're gone. You're wow. gone to survive in that environment. You have to make money. Mm-hmm. And so it was. It was one of those things where, it was like, when I went to Halifax, I was like, "What is this? All you not do? Like, it was like <laughs> it's wow. a party. <laughs> so this is lovely. Like compared to Barclays, like it was it was unbelievable. So yeah, the, the culture shock can be can be different in different environments, but also use it to your benefit mm-hmm. because there are things that you can learn in different environments that can make you better. Because one of the things that you know happened to me was I moved a lot, so there, it became a thing of oh your 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 CV is quite jumpy, so we don't know if we can employ you. But actually, when I was in an interview, I could say, well, I've worked in this culture and been able to take this, and I've worked mm-hmm. in this culture and been able to take that, and this is why I know in your environment. I'll succeed. And 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 that's and then actually you spun it as a benefit as opposed yeah. to it being an issue. That's really that, that is really key. And I guess, okay, so becoming an entrepreneur, what made you yes. decide, okay, this is um it for me? What what year was this? So I started in 2017. Mm-hmm. 2017 is when I first started my own company. Um I went, I was doing it in the evenings and weekends. Mm -hmm. And basically what happened is, is that being in financial services, um, being a financial advisor, financial advice is targeted at high net worth people. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is I, I get, I get, quite high up and I'm at a company where you have to have like minimum two million assets mm-hmm. like and that's not your house that's cash, cash. disposable assets mm-hmm. and so and so liquid assets and so I'm here and then I look around and I realize that I'm extra black you know like mm, yeah. you know like I'm not even light-skinned to say like I can get away with mixing <laughs> I'm fully in here I'm black yeah. like, you know what I mean and I'm big do you know like I'm fitting all the stereotypes this big black guy like must be strong you know like yeah. them ones and so 
And then I look around. No, none of my, none of the staff members are, are black. The only black people are the cleaners. You know, like you're yeah. even happy to see the cleaners in the evening. Like, hey, Sticks. uncle, yeah. how are you? Just like, so you feel like your people are there. You can yes. relate. Yeah. Come on, yeah. you can relate to somebody. Yeah. yeah. And then none of the none of the clients are black either. But yeah. I go to a black church. So on Sunday, I'm like, I see 600, 700 of you. Exactly. Why don't I see you during the week? Yeah. What's happening here? And when I'm when I'm speaking to these guys, know I'm a banker, I work in the bank. They know I've worked in Barclays for for time, and all they want to do is ask me about loan or Iman. Can I get a loan? Can I get <laughs> what? You don't ask about no ISA, no mortgage, no investment. You want to get more loan. debts. They want to get more debt. Wanna... Do you know what? It sounds like my mum and her friends and my aunties and uncles. That's all they. That's all they do. Loan, credit card, like card. They're so comfortable being in debt. Yeah. So so comfortable comfortable. being in debt. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And so I said, nah, 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 nah. I'm a big believer in you've got to be, you've got to be the change you want to see. And so if I want more of my people in the office, I've got to go and teach them how to get into that office. What they, the mindset they need, the things they need to be doing and so forth. So that's when I started doing seminars and workshops in the evening, weekends, one-to-ones and so forth. And then I got made redundant two times before. And then in 2019, I got made redundant for the third time. This is after coming back from paternity leave, after having my fourth child, Mm. come back from paternity leave. The week I come back, they make me redundant. And I said, listen, I'm not coming back. I'm not, not not just to them, not to the industry. I'm going to do my, I'm going to do it my own way. I'm not not doing it your way because I just don't fit in. You always, whenever there's a, whenever there's a financial issue with the company and you want to save some money, you're always going to cut the black guy. You only probably hired me to tick the box in the first place to say that you're diverse. Well, you're yeah. not diverse. You just hired one black person. That doesn't make you diverse. Do you know what I mean? That's and the first bad. and the first sign of issue, I'm out. It's bad because the work that I do in diversity and inclusion, one of the areas that I'm looking at um, for my organization is uh, the parental experience and, yeah. um, you know, encouraging. And I also do this even outside, but I'm just encouraging companies that when you look at like redundancies and like your shortlist, your yeah. transformation programs, you have to factor that in. But some people just don't even, like we always say, look at your list. Oh. Do you have, you know, check the number of ethnic minorities or the, those yeah. that have just, that are on parental leave. And if, if it's disproportionate, you shouldn't, you should take them off. Um, so it's really, really disappointing whenever I hear that because that just really upsets me because it's just like companies really should do better. But then it probably is a blessing for you because if you, weren't yeah. then would you have kind of really been like right focused come 100%. on so so the hr manager my hr manager at that company was she was amazing mm-hmm. but again she's her husband her husband is black she's a white lady but her oh, husband is, is yeah. black so obviously she she relates to man in a different way to everyone else in the company mm-hmm. um and she was like i'm gonna get you everything so she was like you're on the way out but I'm a. I'm gonna start your your. I'm gonna give you pay to the end of the month, yeah. like, and then start your 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 leave afterwards. Then take your holiday oh, pay, I and see. then so anything else. Your package, yes, she sorted you out. I, yeah. So so my package was was sweet, Brilliant. like yeah. it was sweet. Mm-hmm. Then plus with my savings, I said, look, I I don't need to work for nine months. 
I don't need to work for nine months. I got enough wow. money for nine months. That's, that's a so long time. Go. Yeah. That's a long time. That's a, a long, long time. stretch of time to be able to say you can go work. And again, that's because I kept my costs low. And that's what I always tell people. Like we're at work believing that, you know, whatever salary you're getting is always going to come in, but that can no. be taken away like anything. Exactly. So you need to keep your, keep your out monthly outgoings low. And this is, and you know, we'll get onto all of that stuff, but because I kept my monthly outgoings low, I knew I could survive nine months, no problem. And so because of that, I said, I'm not going back. I, I went to, and then I started full time. I was on social media posting twice a day. I don't even post, I don't even post seven days a week anymore. But them times I was posting twice a day. Mm-hmm. I was replying to every comment. I was commenting on other stuff. I was interacting in the DMs with my clients and with people and getting engagement, taking feedback, changing up my style, put it full in within six months. Channel 4 saw what I was doing and said, listen, come and audition. Amen. Luckily, one of my friends one, one friends had the audition and then she said, oh, I've e- got a friend, go see see him. And then they come see me and then I got, the, got on the show. Within six months of me being at my lowest point, four kids, no job. Six months later, I'm on national TV, financial advisor, just in six Amazing. months. Amazing. But you know what it is? My uh, pastor did this sermon and it was about rejection. And he was saying mm. it's God's redirection. And it just, hearing your story, yeah. it's like, you know what? That was just God saying, Emmanuel, you're about to be on TV. So you can't be on come TV on. working with these people that like come and fly. That's amazing. Like, and then, so since you've been doing it full time, it seems like, like, like yeah. your career has just, your business has just exploded. It's absolutely gone crazy. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, when I tell you, like, even when I look at it, I'm like, rah, that's only 2019. We're in 2021. (laughs) It's only two years. Two years. That's crazy. In two years, I've gone from no job, rejected, laughed at. Because when I told them I want to, obviously, I'm going to, I'm not coming back. I'm not going back to, I told like friends and former colleagues and people at work, I'm like, you know what? I want to focus on helping um, people from backgrounds like mine and, you know, help them be better with their finances. And they're like, oh, you want to give financial advice to poor people? Not very good, not very smart business model. This is what these, this is the, from their lips. That's what they would tell me. (laughs) Now. Exactly. Now, like, hey, Manuel, can you people, help me? Can you, can you, can you help me, please? Yeah, they, they want to book I your got, services. I got, <laughs> I got friends that are telling me, oh, yeah, do you know my man tells people that you lot used to work together? <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> you was laughing at me. And now, and now I have I'm your, your claim, claim to, fame. to fame. Oh, my gosh. That is, but you know what? It's I love stories like this. I love it when I love the underdog because I just feel like I've always been the underdog. Like, I still am the underdog. Yeah. Like, I think I'll forever be the underdog. Um. <laughs> But I love it. I love being underestimated and I love being like, a, yeah. I know a snake is not a great analogy, but I really feel like I'm a bit yeah. of a snake where, you know, you can't see a snake coming from far. Yeah. And then Come all on. of a sudden it's goes, shh. So I feel like Come on. being the underdog and just, you know, moving along the surface and then you just, you just, you know, you run yeah. fast. I think that's, that's really sort of um, powerful. So you said in terms of TV, your friend recommended you. And then, and then you're actually doing a new show on Channel Four. Yes. What can you tell us about it? So yeah, the new show is called it's called Secret Spenders, and basically, um, yeah, it's basically one of those ones where we go in and people nominate. It's always funny in life. You will nominate someone as and say, "This oh, we've got an issue with spending in our family. It's always this person. So the wife yeah. will say, oh, my husband's really bad with spending. Mm-hmm. And so then we come in, surprise the husband, mm-hmm. boom, you know, 48 hours, we're going to change all your finances, go for everything. When we now come and do investigation and look at who's spending, isn't, isn't it the, the wife, wife that is the one... <laughs> 
that's got the is got the problem. <laughs> you know, like, oh my and it's gosh. Like the same thing with the husband. Like it's the same thing. Like the husband will be blaming the wife, then he's got some secret um hobby that he spends stupid amounts of money on. So yeah. Oh, this show is right up my street. I, I love this show is right up my street. Do you remember this show called The Bank of Mum and Dad? It was like way yeah, yeah, back yeah, in yeah. the day, and it was these people that were just like um these young people that were, you know, spending like crazy and then like yeah. their parents would like basically contact his financial advisor do you remember that one and yeah, 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 and yeah. then he would kind of look at all their, their their statements and then hand their parent an envelope and say like Vanessa's in 50 grand debt and then the parents would just be like oh my Jeez. gosh like so I, I used to love that show um back yeah. in the day because um tv for me has transformed my life and watching that show yeah. um you know, helped me like be very cautious about spending and credit cards. So I just feel yeah. like this show, I'm so, because we don't really have that many shows like that. So this show kind of makes yeah. me think of that show. And I feel like it's going to yeah. really impact a lot of young people, the secret spenders and, and really sort of showing examples of bad habits and how you can turn that around. I think it's going to be really yeah. impactful. It's really, really going to be. Impactful. Yeah, we hope, we're hoping so. It's, it's it's different. It's hard to do finance because nobody wants to come home and, and be made to feel bad. Do you know what I mean? So it's, yeah. it's trying to give that entertainment value and that something that you can relate to exactly. as well as give you some financial knowledge at the same time. But what is your, because I don't see that and I know you're good with money, but you must treat yourself, yeah. right? So if someone was to say, okay, like what do you secretly spend on? Like that maybe your wife don't know or people don't know and they might be like, hmm. It's like your kind of thing. No, you know, I think I've got, I like, um, I like watches. I don't buy like, like Rolexes and that, but okay. I, I've got, I like some, I've got some nice watches, but one of my things that I like to spend money on is my wife. Um, oh, I feel like she, I feel like she doesn't, she so she sacrifices a lot for the family and for us, and I, I don't want her to do that. I want her, I want her to feel empowered, and so I always try and you know buy flowers when I can for her, and you know take her out to dinners and you know places that I would never like. When I see the bill, I'm like, if not for this woman, you would never see me in this place. But exactly, I understand you that. that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. I understand that she likes to dress up. Do you know, like she likes to dress up and you know do her hair and her makeup and have her nice bags and heels and did it. So I like to spend them my wife and I, and I know that if I'm spending on my wife I feel like yeah I'm doing something I'm achieving that's amazing and how long have you have you both been married we've been married 10 years now 10 years amazing. married amazing and then how many kids is it four you said yeah four kids four two kids. boys two girls so, oh the perfect mix oh so you guys are the, like the perfect the perfect yeah, balance two boys two girls and and like you know what would you say like how important has your wife been then to your success my wife has been, um, you know, extremely important. I don't feel like, I always say, I don't feel like I get to where I get to in life um, and achieve what I, I achieve without my wife. And I'll tell you the story. So when I started, when when I first started giving talks, I used to give talks at church. Yeah. And um, I told my wife, like, you know, there's no churches booking me right now. And my wife was like, you're so good at what you're doing. Like, why are you waiting to get booked at church? Why not just set up a company and go do it yourself? And then you can give talks wherever you like and people will come to your events rather than you going to churches. And that's that's how I started my limited company. I literally, that the next day I, I set up my limited company and that was 2017. And look at where we are today. Wow. But it's that belief. Like sometimes you just need someone that you trust and you value to believe in you and say, but you can do this. You don't need this. You don't need, don't wait for anyone. You can go. 
and you know her, her support over the years. You know, look, we're on. We did a podcast right now. You can't hear no kids. I've she's, got four yes. kids. <laughs> like he's quite quiet. <laughs> Come on. So she's holding it down, like being sort of your she's support system, them. so you can kind of do what you always do. What you need to do. Always. That is incredible. Always. I mean, I think a supportive partner is so important. I know Michelle Obama says the most important career choice. So was it Cheryl Sandberg? Mm. No, it was Cheryl Sandberg that said the most important career choice you'll make is who you marry. And that's so, yeah, it's so key. So no, key. definitely. When, talk about Michelle Obama. I like how she said, I don't know if you know, when they go to the restaurant with Barack Obama and she meets her ex-boyfriend, is the manager of the restaurant. And What's Barack this? goes, yeah, so yeah. Barack goes to her, ah, oh, um, look, you could have, you could have um, been married to the, you could have been Mrs. Restaurant Owner. And she was <laughs> like, nah, he would have been the president. And it's oh, that. Oh, I love it. <laughs> do you understand? It's that, it's that making, making the right choices. You know what I mean? Exactly. Your partner oh, can make Michelle. that difference. She's so quick you know I mean? with it. She's so quick with it. She's that is quick. true. <laughs> that is true. That is true. And do you know what it is? Like for me, I find it so frustrating because like, and I'll be very open with you. Like I've, you know, I've been really, um, fortunate in my career, but my love life is a complete disaster, right? I'll, I'll say it um, yeah. here and now. And I think for me, I've seen so much potential in partners. Mm. And just, you can, I can just see, I've seen so many of my exes, the potential of where yeah. I'm like, you know what, you're so talented, you're so smart. Like, if you applied yourself, like, you could literally be like the prime minister yeah. or the president. And then they just don't see that in themselves. And I just feel like, I feel yeah. kind of, bad for them not not to say I'm like Michelle Obama or anything but I just feel like yeah. sometimes women our gift is having that intuition intuition it's seeing potential mm. in men and bringing that out in men but I just feel like it hasn't clicked for me in terms of the men in my life recognizing that and trusting me and so I think it's quite interesting how you've been yeah receptive but it's difficult remember there's a double mm-hmm. standard okay yeah. and I always tell that because I've got most of my clients are women so I I sit down and I most of my I, I sit down with some of the most powerful women and mainly mainly my clients are black women. I'm yeah. talking lawyers, doctors, like I'm talking high like multi million pound companies that they're running and so forth. And and a lot of them have issues when it comes to relationships yeah. because remember, as a man, if I now go and pursue my dreams and so forth, my 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 girlfriend at the time or wife or whatever may be will support me and will will be will have that understanding that I might not be able to spend as much time with her or focus as much during the times that I'm trying to build mm-hmm. and will accept that. It doesn't reciprocate the other way around. If if a, if if a woman is doing living her dream mm-hmm. and like chasing it and she doesn't have as much time for the man, well my man will just find another woman that's got time for it. But why? That's and not so- fair. <laughs> It's not fair. So we have to choose. I have to choose between whether I want to just sit at home or build our empire. Like you and your wife, I'm sure she's amazing and talented, a boss of yeah. in her own right, right? Yeah. But you've got Michelle and Barack, Beyonce and Jay-Z. Come on, Rochelle and Marvin Humes. Like, it's, it's not fair. It's hard to find. A lot of a lot of men have have are struggling. A lot of men have their own insecurities mm. and a lot of men so so again it's that confidence. When you if you can find a confident man, then he's happy. In fact, he's doing his thing. Mm-hmm. So in fact, you doing your thing is even a relief. It's, oh, it's even true, a relief yeah. that man doesn't have to always be talking to you every single moment of every day. And do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We we understand that we're busy and when we come together, we enjoy us, but we're doing other things. But 
it's it's very difficult to find that and and there are so much options now a man can just swipe left swipe right and exactly. you know and it's, it's, it's wild right now i don't know if you watch love island yeah i don't know if you saw um did you see Casa and War? i think i think that speaks volumes mm. into today's like the yeah. women were like out of this world yes. and the man them are like rah i see these men on the bus like exactly. you know what I mean? these, are, these are normal man them do you know exactly. what i mean you haven't you haven't gone ham exactly exactly i think that 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 showed a lot What do you advise then your female clients who are super successful? Do you kind of, because it's interesting because I'm thinking about, I've really got into my finances a lot this year. And one of the things I'm passionate about is black wealth. So I'm all about what you, I just love your purpose and what you do. But at first I was kind of like, you know, I'm I'm kind of, I don't want to say my age, but you know, I'm kind of, I'm not a spring chicken. And I was kind of in my mind thinking of, okay, when I meet, like when I settle down, yeah. I'll get like my dream home. And now, like my reality is kind of like, V, you might have to buy that dream home yourself. Like it, it's on. that kind of sad reality. And I mean, I just, I'm quite um, intrigued to know like, what do you tell your female clients? Like, do you tell them, look, financially, just sort yourself out? Yeah, I, I think it's an asset, and, and and that's what we have to start thinking mm-hmm. of is an asset. So, um, and it's funny because one of my one of my closest friends, we literally, I was speaking to her like last week. Last week, I was literally speaking to her last week, and she was like, "Yo, E man, you know, I'm I'm, I'm almost thirty, and you know, I thought by now I'd be having a yeah. partner and having kids and so forth." And and there's nothing. There's not. There's not even a potential of of right now. And and she's like, I don't. I don't feel like. I don't feel like I'm ugly or I'm harsh or I, I don't feel like when I see people getting married. I don't feel like I'm not marriageable. Like, I don't yes. feel like I'm not. But I'm just not there. And and you know sometimes it can be very difficult and you can start to doubt yourself and so forth. But I feel it's really important just to continue to add value to yourself. Mm-hmm. And you know if you can manage manage your money well, that's excellent. And then if you can buy a house, like I always say, if you if you buy a house and then you get married and then you you buy another house with your husband then it's all great you still got a house that you can rent out that's now income coming in mm-hmm. if you didn't have a baby maybe you can go part-time because the income you're getting from the property means you don't have to carry on working full-time so it's all anything you can do to level yourself up financially can only benefit your relationship so yeah. to me it's an asset and so you need to make sure financially i know we've been talking about what are you bringing to the table like no real man i don't care what no one says no real man should ask someone what she brings to the table what, yeah, what do you mean exactly what, when you when you opened your eyes to go and chase somebody what, where was <laughs> exactly, the table then exactly. i don't understand and then now you, you could have carried on walking exactly exactly you big crossed the road to come talk to her. you parked your car exactly. switched off the engine and came to where was the table me. then exactly and now come you on. want to be asking me what i bring to the table no, you bring that. to the table yeah don't watch, don't watch that but mm-hmm. these are all of these skills that you all of these skills things that you can learn things that you can develop things that you, all of these things can can benefit um the relationship so don't feel mm-hmm. like oh you know i've got to stop doing this and just focus on finding a man because at the end of the day like sometimes i, I do the other way because i see clients and i'm like you know this is not going to last. And I can't say it, but I just, well, you can just see that, yeah. you know, you, your, your hunger to want to get married meant that you just settled. You oh, understand? You just uh-oh. married anyone. Yep. And, and remember, there's one thing to be married is even then to get married and divorce is now, whoop. So it's, if now it's let's worse. say you have one child. Yeah, it's now you have a maybe you have one child or two. Ch- I've got I've got a client that I'm, that I'm dealing with because obviously I deal with them when they get the, the divorce settlement mm-hmm. and she's getting, you know, some money come back. 
But now she's got to balance this money that she's getting from the sale of their house to try and get another house, as well as look after the kids, as well. As, and she's thinking, oh, am I, am I even, do you think she's even thinking about, am I going to get another man or am I? Like, she's, she's trying, trying to, survive. to survive. Exactly. Yeah. And that's detrimental. And it's interesting because people don't realise that, you know, a marriage is a financial decision. People just get lost in the kind of, I love you, Instagram. <laughs> We're going to be dancing at the wedding, shopping the money, you come know, on. come on. It's a, it's a financial financial decision it's it's really yep, it's a really one. important exactly a big one if it goes wrong like you like you said it can be really bad and and oh, I yeah. and I mean like in terms of like what you what is your kind of what is your prayer what is your um wish for the black community when it comes to our finances like what is your prayer for us yeah I think for my thing and I, and this is what I try and teach is abundance mm-hmm. like I want to I want us to have abundance I want us to know that there is an abundant amount of money out there yeah. like I always tell people there's 365 days in a year why do we only get paid on 12 of them yeah and and when you really think about it if you if you scored in a test 12 out of 365 you'd not be saying you did a good well did well on that test yeah you'd even be embarrassed but for some of us, we are living our lives and we just go to work and then we only get paid once a month and that's it. And that's got to survive. I need people to understand that there is an abundance. There, you can make money every single day. You just have to work out, how do I connect myself to this money? What skill, what value can I add that somebody will pay me on a regular basis? Yes. And and that's what the questions we should be asking ourselves. Not, oh, can I get tickets to WizKid? Oh, no, can I... Can I can I, oh, how am I going to get to Dubai? Oh, I need to get a new Merc. Did it, like, and some, some of our, don't even make sense. The way we value car, and this, this comes back to the fact that we don't value ourselves. Yes. Okay. If you, if you, if you really value yourself, you understand that the car you drive does not define you. Mm-hmm. The clothes you wear does not, you are yeah. already valuable with or without these exactly. designer, designer clothes. And so what happens is, is that for a lot of us, we want to buy a car now. Let's say, oh yes, a brand new car. Let's say I get a brand new car, 35K. But then I can't. I haven't got thirty five k in the bank, but I can afford the monthly payments. This is yeah, the trap because the now trap. you're robbing your future self. Mm. You're robbing your future every time you set. I I want people to understand every time you set up a direct debit, you're robbing your future self. So make sure that, you, that it's worth it. I'm not saying obviously there are things that you're going to pay on a monthly basis, but the less things you can pay on a monthly basis, okay. the more of your money you have for yourself. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And this is why for me, business is so important, yeah. especially with our young people. Teach them business. Yes. Because when you can work to make money, mm-hmm. listen, you will always spend that money different. You always, when you actually have a business that you've started from you've scratch labored. and built up, and now you've got, come on, you mm-hmm. you appreciate that money so much different than you went. If your mum giving you pocket money, or if you if you um, go to work and and you just have your fun with your mates in retail, and then you get paid at the end of the month, of course you're just gonna spend it. Yeah. But when you've actually laboured, worked, had an idea, and made it come to fruition, and now it's actually generating, and then maybe even now employ some people, all of a sudden you look at money and different. Because like mm-hmm. I, I can't remember I was speaking to one one of my clients, and they're like, yeah, now um, five of my employees have been able to buy a house. That's. Well, through working for me. Imagine what, imagine you've had an idea in your life and now you've now not only empowered yourself and changed your family's life, you are changing the lives of your, come on. That's purpose in practice. That's Mm. purpose in, yeah, in, 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 in living. I mean, you know what? I could talk to you. If this was like after work (laughs) drinks, we'd be like, you know, way past closing hours. Cause E-man, like you are just like, 
phenomenal and there's just so much to um that I'd love to cover but I want to just ask you a few um wrap up questions what is on your joy list what things you know bring what? you the, joy my kids man oh mate I've got four kids I love like like I said um uh, my my parent my dad had to work work jobs and study to become an accountant so he wasn't really around as much and then um, my mum obviously had to work to bring money into the house so I, they didn't get to do the extra activity stuff. I always talk about summer holidays. Like summer holidays, I was in my yard. We used to play on the balcony. If you kick that ball too hard, it goes over the back. That's that got that ball's gone. Yeah. The woman, the woman downstairs, and give you that ball back. In fact, she'll put a knife in that ball. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and then you want to go and ask your mum for another ball after she already bought the last one. So now you're now you're just throwing stones at each other. Yeah. <laughs> you're playing with sticks. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I and so the only time you go out is when you follow your mum to market and come back. Mm. But now, so now I'm like, I get to, I take my kids to Legoland. We went on, we went on, we go on all these different things and take them to the, even Common Park, just to take them to the park and run and roll about and fly and jump and wee and take pictures. It's just one of those things where for me that is, that brings me so much joy but also is my why part of my why and so that also gives me motivation to work harder because this reminds me so imagine i'm playing with my kids and having fun but i'm also reminding myself why i'm going to go and do that do that work why i'm going to wake up at that time in the morning why i'm going to stay stay up late and and read this book because they're my why and i want to be able to give them that so yeah oh, that's incredible that's incredible Okay, we have this um, segment in the podcast called the Quick Fire Round. So I'm going to ask you some oh. um, questions and you just got to give me like the first thing that comes to your mind, a quick response called the Quick Fire Round. All right, okay? let's go. So the first let's question, go. what has been the trip that changed your life or that was the most memorable? Malta. Malta. Okay, when did you go? I went to Malta about three years ago mm-hmm. um, and what changed my life was on a boat and on the boat, I saw a car park of yachts. I've never seen that before. Uh, I just saw yachts parked, yeah. yacht after yacht after yacht parked. And I said to myself, and I'm here trying to be in London in what? And men are <laughs> parking their yachts. I said, I've got I've got to work harder. There's more to life. Exactly. There's more to life. So it's like, okay, a new Benz or, you know, long game, a, a yacht. <laughs> um, if you mess up big time in your in work. So, you know, in your, in your business, in terms of w- whether that's filming your show or as an ad- advisor, mm. who do you call and why? Like the biggest um, mess up that you've done. Who do you call? Two people. For, for, firstly, my wife, mm-hmm. who I don't really, um, yeah, she's the first person that I would always call just to speak to, but then also my cousin. Mm-hmm. So me and my cousin, we've grown up together from, from small. We hold each other responsible and, and accountable for one another. So I would definitely just sit down, vibe with him, talk with him, and, okay. and we talk out what we're going to do next. Brilliant. And last but not least, would you ever work for someone else again? Like, is there a figure where you're like, you know what, if Barclays were like, listen... We're struggling out here. We need you blank check to work for us for two years. Would you? Would you ever do it? So, funny enough, this happened to me um, mm-hmm. literally in, in the lockdown. Um, and yes, I would work for somewhere else because they they offer me some good money that mm-hmm. I I know I would never have got if I wasn't self employed and showed what I could do self employed. Yeah, but. They only wanted me to focus on them and I had to reject it. Um, so I would work for, I would work, I would work for another company, mm-hmm. 
But as long as I could still do the E-Man effect in the evening, weekends, and mm-hmm. still do my TV and still do what I would do, then yes. Me if too. if someone said, would you work for me and not give up now? What, what I do now means too much to me and it, it's, um, it's my purpose. So I'd always want to be doing this. Fantastic. Oh, E-Man, we run out of time. Like... As I, as uh, I said, we could just talk and talk and talk, but you've been like an incredible um, after work drinks club guest. Like this has been one of my favorite interviews, like one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorites. Thank you so much. Um, and I just, thank you for what you're doing. Thank, thank, you. thank you for your platform. Thank you for inviting me. It's so important. Like I, I get invited to loads of podcasts, but when I see like, you know, black women doing amazing, amazing, amazing things, like you're an amazing example of what's possible. And, you know, black women black men even when i look at the next generation having examples of people like yourself that are doing well but still giving the effort and the time to want to give back is is so important so you know god bless you and i wish you more success as you go along man thank you so much well that was an incredible awesome interview with emmanuel and with every episode we have a debrief with my producer ryan so ryan what do you think Oh man, <laughs> do you know what? I was just laughing throughout that interview so much. Like Emmanuel's points mm-hmm. and his his delivery, it's just it's just genius. And yeah, yeah. man, I, I absolutely love that conversation. How about you? Yeah, he's very iconic, mm. definitely iconic. And for me, there were so many gems. And what I loved about that interview is he really showed us all the facets of his life. So like where he grew up, growing up, looking at Canary Wharf, and just imagining one day being there and he actually Mm. ended up working there, like how he's been able to manifest his career in finance is just Mm. incredible. And also just about his personal life, like he's, you know, sharing his relationship with his wife and how they've made it work 10 years in the game for kids. It's not (laughs) easy. And just being totally honest about how they make it work. And then for me, especially where I am in my journey, I've taken a leap to full-time entrepreneurship how he's managed to do that. Yes. It's just incredible. There was just so many, so many nuggets. But for me, I think what stood out was his work ethic mm. and how that changed when he was working at Barclays. And he was saying how he was at work an hour early. And so for me, what I took away from that is, you know, when you're building, you've got to put in the time, you've got to put in the effort to get to where you want to be. And that just was really key. That was a key moment for me in terms of me thinking, how much effort are you putting in? Mm. Are you willing to do uh, what other people won't do to make That it? is such a good point. Are you willing to do what other people won't do? Um, and that's very much uh, a thought and a mantra you would have in, as an entrepreneur. But what I loved is that he adopted that mentality, you know, as an employee, you know, just starting out. And because of that, yeah. because he actually, because he didn't start off like that as he as he. Um, as he told us, yeah. but as he recognized that and he, and he changed his behavior, you know, he became of so much value that, like you said, when he wasn't there, the, the branch didn't hit target. You know? Yes. That's, that was mad. <laughs> that, so that was another, that was another light bulb. Like yeah. just seeing you want to have that kind of impact, right? Wherever you are, whether it's you work for yourself and you have clients, whether you're in the workplace, you want to have that kind of impact where when you're not there, the shit don't run. Yeah. Like that is just, yeah, to me, that was wild. So, so good. And then you, utilizing that going forward and being likable and, 
you know, even to this day, like Iman, you know, he responds to every comment on Instagram and, and everything like that. And it's all about having this like open arm approach. Like he's very much mm-hmm. a safe place. And w- when we're thinking about yes. finance, it's, it's a, it's a very taboo topic just generally, but you know, particularly in the black community it is. Yes. And that really weaves into his purpose of, you know, leveling up a whole community with the, yeah. the problem of financial literacy, which is a huge problem. And he's kind of stepped out of the quote unquote financial, like the typical financial world to to actually do that and give back. Um, and he was laughed at. He was laughed at because mm-hmm. of that, you know. And as he said, two years later, he's just doing fantastic, like TV presenter, uh, mm-hmm. international speaker. It's just what a testimony on betting on yourself and yeah. being being of value. And listening to your wife. And For me, to your wife. I'm like, can can the men just take something away from this episode? Listen to your wife. So that true. is it. <laughs> that is so it. So true. Because if he didn't listen to his wife, he wouldn't be where he is. He even it's said true. that. Yeah. So that is a really key key takeaway. Mm. If you've got someone in your life who you trust, like your partner, whether you're a man or a woman, if you have a partner who you trust listen to them take their mm. advice go for it it kind of almost scares me to think where would he be if he if he didn't take her advice it's true you know that was really key it's that true. was really key when she said you know what you should do this mm. um but it's, it's a real testament to his humility and his personality as well of just recognizing what he has in in his mm. wife in his family where he derives his joy from you know what he likes to spend his money on which is his wife I just find the whole thing so wholesome and and beautiful and it just really resonates with Eman's spirit. I just I'm in awe of the guy. He's 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 amazing. He's got a great spirit. Yeah, he's got a great spirit. Like you said, I think for me as as well thinking about, you know, my journey in, into entrepreneurship part 2 is around when you just said the safe space. Mm. And here's a safe space, like in terms of with you know as being a financial advisor, but also like in business, you want your clients to feel like you're a safe space. Yes. As a manager, you want to feel like your team feel that you're a safe space for them mm. to be vulnerable and to open up to you. And I just feel that that was such a key key part of his character. I felt really comfortable. I the first time I met him, and first interview, you know, that I done with him as well. And I just felt so comfortable, so at ease. It was like, you know, I even said in the conversation, if this was in a bar, we'd be talking <laughs> until it closed. It's and true. that's just what he's, that's that that's his character. And it's always so nice and refreshing mm. to see someone, um, to connect with somebody like that. And I just, you know, I do wish him like all the best. And absolutely, he's just given me, and I'm sure our listeners, so many gems and so many takeaways, just in terms of not just about, how to approach our finances, but just how to believe in yourself, how Mm. to conduct yourself um, as a human being, uh, as an entrepreneur, as an employee, there was so much to take away from that. And it was very, what's his other good point is it's very digestible. Whenever he gives advice, whether it's finance or in business, it's very digestible and he makes it so easy to understand. And Mm. so there was just so much I took away from that. Yeah, man, I completely agree. Um, I think it, it all kind of sums up to, his character like he really embodies his purpose um in his character and in his content in the way that he delivers and he's making it digestible like you said something that's so challenging and such a taboo subject to kind of bring it full circle he just makes it digestible and he's changing people's lives man and it's just so epic so 
yeah big yeah. up you man definitely I really hope you enjoyed this episode and for joining me for After Work Drinks. If you learned anything from this episode, please do share with someone you think would benefit. Don't forget to leave me a comment with what you learned along with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people like yourself find the show. Follow us on Instagram on at After Work Drinks Club. A special thank you goes to Blue Water and to Pure Creation Media for producing this episode. 